The hosts, Rob Velazzi and Jason Dominique, and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now on to today's episode with Today at Ember. Hello, welcome to episode 16 of Today at Ember. I am your host, Rob Velazzi. I am here with the co-CEO of Ember. Here at Today at Ember, my co-host, Jason Dominique. Jason, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Rob. Thanks for having me as usual on a weekly basis. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat and uh, give, uh, give our community some uh, insights into uh, what we do here at Ember. No, absolutely. It's really been a great journey. We're going to actually uh, have a little surprise for you guys today. Initially, when we decided to do this podcast, we had certain goals that we wanted to that we wanted to hit to be able to communicate to the community. And we really looked at this as really an informative series and our first season being about taking a project from ideation to launch. And that's really what we've been doing here. And now, especially with quarter one, you guys are seeing with the Ember checkout, what we've done with staking, with our um, our smart contracts that are all um, proprietary that we've all built from the ground up. And these things have been delivered into your hands that we want to be able to switch gears when moving forward. And we've learned a lot being able to do this for the first time. Jason and I were not podcasters. We're not you know, entertainers in any fashion. We're entrepreneurs. And I think it's been a great journey, but we wanted to switch things up. We felt that it's getting a little you know, a little long in the tooth. And now that we have the deliverables, we want to take a, a new approach to what we want to be able to do here. So what say you, Jason? Yeah. I mean, we've always said that this is going to be more than just about, you know, Ember. And as soon as we got to a moment where we felt that, you know, we could bring more people to the table, we not necessarily changed the format, but, you know, our, our focus initially was to, you know, through our own experience, we wanted to, you know, write the blueprint of going from ideation to launch. And, Luckily, it's been a success. It could have been pretty disastrous, you know, journaling and podcasting on on the ideation and the not launch. But luckily, we <laughs> we did launch, and uh, yeah, as as um, you're saying, Rob, I think it's a great opportunity for us to um, hint at this idea that season one of today at Ember is wrapping up, and that we're cooking some stuff for um, you know what could possibly be uh, season two. Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to, we'll still be today at Amber. We may change the cadence and how frequent they're delivered. We wanted to be able to up the production budget a bit and come up with some new ideas, bring in guests, being able to encapsulate more than just Amber and the idea of our product launches, but to be able to talk about the industry as a whole, where it's going, bringing on newer projects, also to expanding beyond just the Binance Smart Chain, which we'll be talking about today as well. And we really want to make sure that this is something that brings as many eyes to the project as possible. And, you know, moving forward, what it means for our community to still get those, you know, project updates, quote unquote, but really have a broader appeal than just people being involved in Ember, because what the products, Jason, as you know, and as our community knows, are really targeted to help across multiple chains. We see ourselves as chain agnostics across different projects and what they see as their goals are. Yeah. And it's an interesting topic because, you know, since we've been doing this show, you know, you and I, Rob, I think it's been very much about Ember and, you know, there's obviously nothing wrong about it. We're happy to share what, you know, what's happening behind uh, the curtains. But, you know, even just yesterday as a team, we were discussing this idea of evolution of Ember and, you know, this transition that we're sort of approaching where, we're going to need to open up sort of our our home to hundreds, if not thousands of new projects that are going to enter this ecosystem. And, you know, how do we go about doing this? And I think that one of the great way of sort of leading is by example. And us, you and I being the voice of what's happening at Ember, I think this is a great way to lead into, you know, season two being more about inclusivity and diversity. I mean, you know, we, we love to speak to each other, Rob, but <laughs> I think it's <laughs> it's lacking a little bit diversity and inclusivity. 
So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about you know this next chapter for uh, both the show, but you know most importantly, us going into the market and welcoming all these new, you know, super exciting, world changing, you know, crypto projects. So um, yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. We're going to be, you know, trying different things, you know, maybe, like I said, upping the production budget, some things we want to work on, but those will be coming in the future when season two does launch. It's a perfect time to be able to to launch those along with it, with those ideas. But for today's episode, because we're looking at this as a season finale, basically, that we do want to talk about in conclusion where we've come from, some things we've learned, and we're going to be kind of working in reverse because when looking at the community, you know, you guys are always welcome to ask us questions for those that watch us live, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's on Twitch or even our Discord, Telegram. We always take live questions from the community and we want to be able to, to address those questions. This time, though, because we want to show what we've done in the past, looking at some of the community questions, I think by answering these, and we won't be too direct by calling out exactly specifically who wrote these questions. I'm going to be paraphrasing a bit, but I think that by going through these questions first, and working backwards, that it will really give a full idea of what we've accomplished so far and where we're going moving forward when it comes to Ember. And Jason, one of those questions too, and I hear this a lot, and I think that our we did address this in our previous episodes, and I think it's a good one to start with, is that you know people are asking, you know, if crypto lays low, which I don't see this being you know a projection of it laying low for the next two to three years, but there are some people that, you know, we saw in 2017 what happened then and some things that happened previously in the past. But they're asking, you know, if crypto lays lows for the next two to three years, you know, what would the team be doing? I mean, are we ready for that? I mean, what is the team looking at to still move forward? I mean, the answer to us seems obvious. And for those who've been listening on a consistent basis, the answer seems obvious. But we really want to address this question. And, and I think this is a good one to start with, Jason, to give people an idea that, that we're more than just a token. Yeah, well, this is a pretty complex question to unpack, but I think without deep diving into sort of why it's pretty doubtful that the sort of long crypto winter that happened a few years ago is far from being potentially something that can creep up because, you know, back then, and I'm just going to give a few pointers on it, I think that one of the major differences is that, you know, is that people that were invested or the actual market that was invested in crypto back then, and which is one of the main reasons why it completely collapsed. And it's because it was the end consumers. It was the the people like you and I, Rob, that were sort of the early adopters that that sort of put money into crypto initially. But today, it's totally different. You know, you have institutions with billions of dollars into crypto. And if you think about most of the projects that are paving the way right now in crypto, and this is this is another debate, obviously, for another day, but this is obviously a huge debate, you know, regarding the philosophy, you know, behind decentralization of the actual Web3, because... And this is just to answer, this is another subject, but this is just to answer why I feel we're not going into this sort of very slow crypto winter for a potential extended period of time, is that most of all these projects right now, they're they're all VC-backed pretty much. And we've talked about this before, Rob, you know, and this is not sort of the route that we've went on to, but is that all this sort of Web2 big sort of investors that they're seeing, you know, Web2 going sort of not at the same sort of speed as Web3 is, you know, all these investors, they're all, you know, dumping, you know, millions and billions of dollars into this new economy. And it's almost unfathomable to think that the space is totally different. So to answer, like, even though Hardly, I you know, we're not preparing for anything of the such. But hypothetically, if we were to enter a phase, some winter like that, yes. Even though we're not projecting <laughs> yes. that's going to be it, that does not mean that we're still there's there's things we're always planning for. But let's just say hypothetically that that is the scenario. Yeah. 
I think we're setting ourselves up for success and for less vulnerability because, you know, Ember has always been about utility, has always been about, you know, solving, you know, real world in the sense that things that are felt across the board, you know, in terms of pain points. And whenever you're sort of have this type of approach to your business, rather than being, you know, a very speculative type of asset. I mean, yes, we do have a token, but it's not all that we are, you know, we, you know, we aim at, at being sort of the, the engine for, and, and the tools needed for a lot of those new projects that, you know, will be pioneers of this Web3 sort of era. And there is no shortage of innovation, you know. So even in a time of, let's say, it would hypothetically slow down for whatever reason, it's not going to stop people from thinking. It's not going to stop people from being creative. And it's not, I mean... I would argue to the complete opposite, you know, in in a phase where things are potentially slowing down, I'd see way more creativity. I'd see more entrepreneurship, you know, rising because, you know, they're not seeing this as, you know, a failure in itself. They're seeing this as sort of a, and I mean, it's not going anywhere. I think, and I totally agree with you too, is that you know, the, the thing about crypto is that the space moves so fast. And the people that are inside of this space, people that are makers and creators, that when there is a, a lull, should I say, or, or there's always going to be ups and downs because of the market, whatever the Fed does, you know, it comes to speculative assets. I think this is, you know, short-sighted to think that's going to be something that's representation, that's representative of the entire year or two years to come. But in that space, when that happens, it's not like entrepreneurial spirit and innovation just stops. It's not like everyone just like, okay, we're all just going to put ourselves on hold at this point <laughs> as, as until the markets go through. In fact, it inspires people to say, look, this is how the market's changing. This is what's happened before. How can we? And that's really, in all honesty, what, what sparked with Ember to be able to launch these projects. As we saw as the, as the market was down in May and the things that were happening, even though that we saw that there was a lot of interest in, on the BSC and these other projects, that we saw a space and a lane for us to operate to. And that's really what sparked our innovation. Absolutely. And I think being ourselves, you know, investors prior to launching our own business, you know, we, we all dabbed into these speculative assets and we can't be reliant on this type of approach. And one of the main sort of focus very early on into Ember is how can we build a business that is not necessarily it undoubtedly will always be, but how can we make sure that part of our business is totally uncorrelated with the actual behavior of the market? And this is why, and we keep reiterating that the token is one thing and sort of our business model is another. And that business model is heavily focused on delivering products and services um, that will generate revenue, whether the market is tanking today and is rising tomorrow, it's, you know, they're going to be different teams addressing these two markets, you know, and this is sort of the, the evolution that I've hinted at earlier in, in, in this show, which is, you know, we're entering this phase where we're about to welcome a new set of reality in our business and, you know, the token itself, this community that people, you know, they came together and they're supporting us. These products and services essentially will have a direct impact on the token. And we want it to always be connected and always have this synergy where hopefully, I mean, all the actions that we've taken, you know, from having a massive liquidity pool, from having pre-sales with vesting schedules, you know, all these things. I mean, if they're not speaking loud enough about how we were thinking about stability, how we're thinking about security and long-term, I mean, I, I don't know what else could speak as loud as, as those things. So 
Yeah, I'm actions, not more. It's actions more than just words, you know. And I think exactly. also too, this is a good way to segue is that one of the market, you know, has been what it has been. I mean, this is not, you know, breaking news or a hot take or anything about what's happening with the market. We're all seeing what's happening in real time for the past couple of days. We've seen it in the past, but during that time frame, which we've demoed a product and shown, there's actually been more of a driving factor to innovate even further. Since we've demoed the product last, which was only last week, with James, you know, who, um, you know, for those who are unfamiliar, who's, you know, you know, the head of technology here at Ember, we've innovated even further in just that short period of time. Jason, do you want to kind of break that down and some of the things that we've expanded on that are already implemented and what the future of that is, just as a point in case of innovation during a lull period? Yeah. Well, I think one point to what you're bringing is, and we were just speaking you know, bringing this up, you and I, before going live is, you know, when we started building Ember Checkout, you know, we obviously had an intention of, you know, making it available cross-chain and making it, uh, you know, as many projects, you know, being able to use it. And it almost didn't even cross our mind that when we introduced you know, Ember Checkout, that it would be on five different chains. And we were just thinking, well, we're going to bring this to the BSC and this is going to be the strategy to take it to market. And we're going to be on BSC probably for quite some time because, you know, all these other chain, you know, it will take X amount of time to integrate them. And this just, again, like you're saying, Rob, this is just absolutely insane how fast things are moving. And, you know, when we introduced Ember Checkout last week, it already supported five different chains. And by the end of that day, we had already integrated Harmony. So by the end of that day, we were at six. And right now, and I'm going to answer your question because I have a list and I'm not like literally kidding. There's a list (laughs) of things. (laughs) It's not like we're going to be adding one. I mean, James is currently working on adding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten new chains. And this will probably be, you know, ready to roll again, trying to stack up as many, many, you know, options for when we launch. But I wouldn't be surprised that these these added chain in the next week or two they're going to be, you know, rock and rolling. At least the vast majority of them. Yeah, and if 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 you want to, you know, if you want us to name drop any of those, I think every time I'll name one of them, it's probably going to be half a billion to a billion, you know, <laughs> in terms of market. And ultimately, these decks and these side chains, they're moving so fast. So by the time we're integrating them today, you know, in a week's time or three weeks' time or in a month's time, by the time we we release it, they might have changed their total lock value to pfft. astronomical heights. Yes, astronomical heights because it could hit the because pub up. Yeah, exactly. Plus, there'll be more. I mean, just look at Phantom. You know, Phantom are pretty much like number two right now. You know, mm-hmm. two and three. And where was Phantom like before Christmas? They weren't anywhere. It's like unheard. And of. now in Q1 in January, they're just completely exploding. Do you want to kind of name drop a couple of those there for the yeah, community? Yeah, yeah, I know they're yeah. probably going crazy. <laughs> the sad reality is that, to be honest, I hardly know any of them. But one thing that I know is that they're, you know, they're booming and, you know, I've looked into them and they're exciting. You know, what's happening on those chains? And this is something we need to mention. I mean, a lot of people will be like, well, we need to get this massive big project, you know, that adopts Ember Checkout and everything. But you know, that was my next again, point was going to talk about is our strategy and why it's so yeah, important. But these chains, this is where innovation is happening. Mm-hmm. That's bleeding edge. You know, talk about Kronos, Aurora, Moon River, Moonbeam, Metis, Arbitrum, Heco, Oasis. Oasis is one of those out there that it's just going to probably completely obliterate Solana. If you haven't looked at it, you know, pay attention. Ronin, Cello. Like, seriously, these ecosystems, they're the breeding ground for crazy uh, innovation. And Ember Checkout will help one of the foundational 
pain points of any entrepreneurs, which is I want people to buy my buy, asset. Yeah, I want people easily. to be able to invest in my project. And it's all about conversion and having Ember Checkout available on all those different side chains and chains is just going to be, it's going to change everything for most of these entrepreneurs. And also too, even speaking to as well here, because I see you know, what someone else was asking too about Ember Buyback, which we'll get into and how that affects the token. But I think also something that this is relating to the question of what are we doing to be sustainable? And, you know, it's more than just saying, hey, here is the checkout. Andrew's talked about this in the past and be like, okay, does everyone start using this? For projects and tokens or assets that are doing extremely well, that have a ton of volume moving on them, that are already on some of the top, you know, two, three, four projects, people that already know how to buy those. I mean, obviously, we want to be able to market to them and hopefully bring them along eventually. But we don't see that as a strategy that will be completely successful in a sense where we want to get as much most traction as possible that will eventually make us a household name that will draw in these big, big names. Something like a sidechain like Ronin, which I believe they only have one DEX on there that is maybe, you know... If we thought pancake swap was difficult to, to use, you know, this is even master level class... And for some reason, they're able to, I mean, there's still hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions still moving through there. There is absolutely, this, this is in these other, these other chains, these other projects, like we showed, you know, two examples yesterday of, you know, that we're doing pretty well, that are smart products in 27 million in one day. These are attainable potential clients that can easily be reached to be able to grow our base that really in reality have the fewest amount of options and they're looking to get traction themselves as well and something to stand out amongst, you know, I wouldn't say competitors, but also something that's very similar as a project. To be able to have our checkout on their page can help them separate themselves, especially on a side chain that really is, you know, pretty much niche at this point. Yeah, I mean, their name is is beautiful. You know, you need you need to be a real ninja, you know, to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to master that dex, you know. So sometimes people will be like, well, I mean, we, we need to go back to our mission. I mean, yes, there is, there is huge amounts of, of, of profits to be made in, in onboarding one of those massive project, you know, and, and token that, as you're saying, you know, Rob, I mean, people that are invested in, in those massive projects, they've figured it out, you know. Uh, so ultimately, yeah, we could add the checkout on their website, but they're not funneling as much new sort of money in as those new sort of product and projects. So for us, I think fundamentally our goal is to help people like us. So this is why we're going to be targeting in terms of strategy. If you want to, you know, address this, Rob, and obviously this is this is in your backyard, but it's going to be how can we make sure that checkout is seen by as many of those yet to be launched or just recently launched and they're experiencing the same pain point that we were. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, it's a good problem to have, but when it comes to, you know, our sales strategy and kind of putting that together, me coming from large corporations that are, you know, these ones that are billion dollar, multi-billion dollar corporations, they're not like a jet ski that can quickly, you know, change direction on how they want to, you know, change course in their marketing strategy or what their products are, how they work. It's like moving a massive, you know, basically a, a battleship or, a, or an aircraft carrier. It takes a lot of moving parts, years to make it move, the chain of command. And something like this, which is we're able, and our company's designed this way, is so nimble. Originally, when we were talking about this, as you stated, our primary focus was the BSC. And then immediately now we're on now six chains within a week. And then adding another, it looks like 10, but the time that we're able to launch is that this product is evolving so fast that how we market this and who we market it to is changing consistently as well. So it's, it's an odd problem to have to where the product is growing such a fast base and making it larger and wider audience to be able to hit. But at the same time, then those things have to be concrete for us to build up around that of what the strategy will be. Because with every new chain and every new DEX, you know, the, the name of the game has changed. It's not like we have a sales force of 500 people that are able to hit all of these at once. So we have to be direct with our actions to get, you know, the most valuable projects on board the quickest. Yeah. And you just, you know, raised it and I've raised it, you know, in the previous shows and episodes is like, how do you reach such a huge amount of 
you know, addressable market, you know, and we've been like hard at work. And these are the kind of things that we want to bring to you because it's all about sharing this opportunity with as many people as possible. But, you know, word to mouth incentive that are driven by referral is going to be one of our main strategy because we can't do it by ourselves. And what we believe, and it's been proven time and time again, you just look at, and without naming, you know, classics in terms of referral marketing, you look at Dropbox, you know, look at these pioneers out there that, you know, the mechanism that they work and they're perfectly adapted to our space, which is crypto, and also very much uh, aligned with the type of product that we're bringing to market. So we're working double time in the background to make sure that we can bring, you know, something like a great, both one that will be very individual driven about referral marketing. And the other one is going to be an affiliate program, which we feel, you know, something could be very interested for people that want to uh, spread the word, but sort of more on an ongoing basis. And ultimately, this checkout, we've talked about multiple times about, you know, Ember.org, and maybe the sequence of it may not have, you know, rang a bell for a lot of, you know, of, of you folks out there, but... Ember Checkout is the foundation, in terms of technology, is the foundation of what will enable Ember.org. And this is funny because if you look at our mission statement, it states clearly four or five milestones. They're big milestones. And one of them is, you know, we've reimagined how you discover, how you invest, how you create, and how you communicate in the cryptosphere. And Ember Checkout is all about the invest pillar. And Ember.org is all about wrapping all those things together. The uh, discovery tool, this is most probably going to be the second pillar that we'll be working on once you know Ember.org is launched. Because with the tool where discovery can be converted into investment, uh, because it's all about like what's the next big thing out there, once you've found it, how do you convert this interest? Well, Ember Checkout is that. This is how we enable people to go from discovery to investment in a snap. They don't have to go anywhere else. It's not going to be like a 10-step process. It's all going to be there. And then you have, obviously, create. What is create? Well, create is a simple way of saying, like, helping or having tools that will enable people to go from ideation to launch. These guys, they're creatives. They are creating. And then last but not least is communicate. Well, communicate, you know, a lot of people out there in the community, they've been saying, well, we want to rivalize Facebooks of this world. Well, that's not our goal, but we do aim at bringing social into Ember.org and that's communicate. So when you think about everything that we've been you know, sharing with 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 the community about discovery, about investing, about creating, and about communicating. Well, this is Ember.org. And our first milestone is investing. And now we're bringing Ember Checkout, this underlying technology, we're bringing it into Ember.org to power discovery and conversion. And this is something that will be arriving much sooner than a lot of you believe you know can probably believe but we're doing the kickoff after our show today we're we're doing uh, the kickoff with superside so this is the initial steps where we're onboarding this team of world class creatives to bring this this vision to reality so i couldn't be more excited it's really exciting too and i think that i think that's sometimes the point that's missed when it comes to the ember checkout of course this is a product that you know, that we want to be able to kind of, I guess, cold call and have outbound sales forces, you know, being able to bring these, these projects and making sure they have some awareness of it and how they're able to utilize it. And especially too, that this is a product that's basically free of charge. It's going to do nothing but, you know, 
increase their conversion rate, you know, because they spend a ton of money in marketing to be able to do this. We talked about this last episode is that, you know, once you spend this money in marketing and even with word of mouth being able to, you know, and SafeMoon had some great success with this, but there was a lot of confusion on, well, how do I actually buy this? So even amount of eyes that you've drawn towards your product uh, or to your project that, you know, there's a large portion that fell off when, when that hurdle of being able to actually buy and invest wasn't, you know, met with ease. So, but besides that, though, is that this is more than just a product. It's really the underlying technology for Ember.org. And especially now with adding these 10 other chains, that means 15 chains. This could instantly make our site, Ember.org, the availability to buy over 6,000 and growing different cryptocurrencies on 16 different chains at this point. You can't do that anywhere. There's nowhere to do that. I mean, (laughs) people are talking about Coinbase, but Rob, you as being their number one user how many coins is there on <laughs> how many coins is there on coinbase i mean i think if maybe on a good day maybe close to 60 or 70 i could be wrong i mean there may be 100 there's some alt you know some ones i haven't seen on there yet but as the number one place for for people to buy cryptocurrency there's not a lot of cryptocurrencies on there and they're all only really ethereum based those are the only ones you know they're all on that eth you know this tier 1 or tier 2 they're not really a large diversity there at all Yes. And if people are going into crypto to invest into something that will give them more than 2x and 4x and 5x, I mean, these are all established coins, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to navigate, you're, you know, you're going to have on good days, you're going to have some 5x and then you're going to drop, you know, by 2x. And then, you know, we're talking about ETH and things like that, but it goes to... I mean, like Litecoin, like who's who's buying Litecoin, $130? It was going to go to 400 I mean, that almost seems totally implausible. Yeah, and even when you look at Solana, yeah, it went from, you know, uh, two digits to three digits and things like that. But ultimately, the real opportunity to invest and to discover and to interact with emerging and world-changing projects, it's going to be in DeFi. And we know this, and it's all going to be happening, you know, on BSC. It's going to be happening on that Ninja Gaiden Ronin uh, road chain, uh, side chain. It's going to be happening on all these emerging, crazy, obscure, with still being legit. And that's another subject, you know, due diligence on who can actually use and adopt and enable these purchases. But this is where it's happening. And this is where it's going to be happening for a long time, in my opinion. You know, layer one is great, but everything that is consumer facing, which is going to be this world of Web3 and DeFi, I think this is this is truly exciting stuff. And I think also us for us really to, and that's our tagline as a company, this is your gateway to decentralized world. And that means more than just Ethereum, Bitcoin, and you know now the BSC isn't growing in popularity. There's so much more out there. This is really just the tip of the iceberg. And this really will be the gateway for anyone to jump into these projects. And also, too, as, as a business model, it really gives us, you know, and I talked about this previously about consideration, you know, what that is value to a company, is that, you know, these other projects that are on these other DEXs, you know, this gives us leverage with them. This gives us the ability to have conversations with them as, you know, do we promote one another? You know, do we become their go-to spot? And when it comes to legitimacy about these other projects, I just want to bring this topic up very, very swiftly, is when we did our product demo last week that, you know, of course, there's a lot of these S-coin casino type of nonsense that goes on 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 all of these chains or just, and and honestly, in stocks in general. But there is a ton of legitimate projects. You know, there's no reason for us to be morally ambiguous when it comes to, you know, who who we're dealing with just so we can cash in on, you know, what seems to be some nefarious activity. There's more than enough of legitimate projects out there to where we can have a sustainable business model through that revenue stream, focusing just entirely on them. Absolutely. And I think... To that point, by not letting anyone use this powerful tool, these meme tokens that, you know, not necessarily will have real utility and that that they're purely speculative, you know, if they're not, let's say hypothetically, and we can foresee sort of a, a, you know, a, a very close future in which, let's say, you go to Ambera or pretty much all the legitimate sort of thousands of, of projects are there. You know, there's like a legitimacy check 
you know, sort of a tick on projects that let's say have, you know, passed an audit that they've, you know, have a locked liquidity, you know, Ember's uh, founders have doxxed themselves, et cetera. So all these sort of criteria and basically if you're, and I'm just going to say this out like you know, out loud, but let's say hypothetically, if you're not on Ember.org, you're basically left to live on a DEX and who's going to be using a DEX like to invest in, like that's going to become like sort of the Tor browser of, you know, you know like the crazy wild west of, of crypto and, you know, approaching you dark what web. I mean? Yeah, almost approaching yeah, dark web Yeah, it's like territory. the dark web. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to start seeing this shaping up very, very rapidly. You know, people that will go to DEX to purchase tokens, it's not going to happen anymore. You know, by the end of this year, starting next year, nobody's going to go unless you want to get this really wild token that is not on a legitimate platform that has all these vetting mechanism and, you know, trust scores. It's just not going to happen. No, absolutely. And the good thing is, too, is that, you know, just because and this is for uh, maybe speaking a little bit out of turn here, too, as well. But when it comes to, you know, version two and, and version three of what we hope to see with Ember Checkout, I mean, we want to be able to do more than just being able for people to purchase, obviously, you know, tokens. We want to be able to be able to use for any digital asset. NFTs, those are all going to be part of that. Even eventually, you know, real world goods that we're able to use. And even though if a project might not be past our criteria or be able to meet all the prerequisites, with version two of and I version three coming forward, is that any of these tokens now will have utility because you'll be able to basically exchange or buy one of these other digital assets that come through Ember with anything that are listed on these DEXs. So you'll be able to move from one of these projects that you decided to jump into, whether it was some crazy thing that you you know thought was going to pump, it was a meme token, but you're looking for a way to do something now with that asset. You can now has legitimacy to be able to at least purchase stuff on Ember.org from one of these assets to any of the ones that we think that meet those requirements. Yeah. And we'll dive more into these next iterations of of Ember Checkout, but you're absolutely right, you know, uh, Rob, in terms of, I mean, ultimately the reasons why, if we look at the, you know, the actual reason why you can't, let's say, hypothetically buy a safe moon with Ember directly, it's because there's a native currency that is paired with each of them. And that step is a huge amount of friction for anyone coming in whether it's you know on polygon where you know you need to have the avalanche token or you're going on uh Zdematic and and you know all these different chains they all have their native currency their native token and this is normally speaking this is the paired one so you need to have that one to buy any other one so it's always directional it's not not bi-directional it's it's a singular direction and we think that this step is an an obsolete step. You know, it's obviously a necessary like a necessary step, but the end user does not have to be part of that step. And so DEXs and native, you know, tokens and you know, all these hoops and loops by V2, V3 of, of Ember checkout, they'll be history. And this is why we're gonna make interacting on a DEX so obsolete because when you'll go to ember.org, it's always going to be one or two steps. You're always going to be one or two steps away of being able to, you know, going from one position to another position in terms of your investments or what you want to invest in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And not to give away too much to is that we even have, you know, and not to say too much, even from one chain to another chain to be able to make that happen is, is in two clicks as possible. But that's for another conversation in the future. That's, But as you can see, what our general scope is and our ambition is by just us implementing these many chains this quickly before launch. I mean, at this point, like, you know, not making a joke, this could make us one of the largest go-to places for crypto literally overnight. And how we're able to market that and get that out there. I mean, one of these questions people are asking is, what is your plans of gaining new holders and new investors? Now, we've talked before about, you know, Ember Checkout being able to have basically, you know, front facing to every investor on multiple chains saying powered by Ember. 
that there is a huge, you know, huge, the best type of word of mouth marketing there possibly could, could ever be. So that's a great way to implement that. But also too, when it comes to how we actually do traditional marketing campaigns is that we're able now to encapsulate so much more than just one particular chain or one particular product or one particular service you know, or one particular type of digital asset even. I mean, more than just even tokens, it could be a project or, or NFTs or even going even as far as real physical goods that this is going to draw so much attention to this project and potential investors. I mean, imagine a person who has X amount of, you know, BNB, and we haven't even got into with Wire and our own wallet and, you know, being able to just use a credit card, which that alone is, you know, even next level on top of that. But imagine someone who says, you know, I have $2,000 I want to invest. I found this particular token, or I even have this certain amount of assets, like, you know, did very well this month. And, you know, I have, you know, quite a bit of profit. I want to move it forward. I find this particular project. I want to go ahead and buy it. Then after buying this one, I realized, what's this Ember thing? Oh, you know what? I'm going to throw $1,000 on there. The other two projects, the three projects I've seen, I've, I've seen this name everywhere at this point. And I think as a type of word of mouth marketing on top of, you know, being able to traditionally market, you know, with a broader audience will really draw attention to us when it comes to regardless of the investor. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to compare ourselves with one, you know, some of the leading marketplaces out there, because this is what we are. You know, you come and you shop and basically you, you find something that you're interested in, you want to purchase it. I mean, ultimately, going back to 15, 20 years ago, you know, there's little known massive bookstore that started online. You know, obviously, you, you can... Amazon. <laughs> you'd be interested in what it has to sell, you know, in terms of products over there. But then again, wouldn't it be wise to also put a few coins, you know, in Amazon? Mm -hmm. No, Absolutely. There's a reason, you know, why, but anyway, I, I don't want to chill too much ember. <laughs> <laughs> or get too speculative. And I think this all leads back to, I think, our last question for the segment and really the last question for the series to kind of wrap this up. And we've, you know, for those who've been listening every week, some of this may seem, you know, redundant to some of the information. We want to make sure it's as clear as possible and transparency is, is, is important and one of this is, you know, this sounds great. There's going to be m massive revenue generated for Ember and for future projects. So when it comes to development and being able to hire some of the best and the brightest to be able to move our vision forward. And one of those things, though, that people are asking about and how it relates to them as an investor, of course, all these other things will, will, will compile together when it comes to, you know, word of mouth and, you know, getting a lot of traction and just brand identity but when it comes to the real technical aspect of, and you may want to break this down, as we did mention this last time, Jason, is when it comes to buyback and how part of that revenue stream is, you know, will be used for buyback to go back into liquidity and really what that means for the token and how those percentages will work. I know that we've talked yesterday and you mentioned, you know, some some arbitrary numbers that weren't set in stone, of course. And, you know, these 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 numbers will, you know, will, will be played with more and more with our economists that we, we talk to. But how it affects, you know, the price of the token, what that means for investors, why they should be happy about that, and what we see the, the future plans for that moving forward. I know that a lot of this stuff is still tentative. We're working through it. You know, we're testing it. Is there some things you kind of want to want to build upon, though, for to build some clarity for the folks that, that may need some? Yeah, sure. We can't emphasize too much on the idea that, you know, the token, even though, you know, we're not just about the token, it's always and will always remain a high priority for us. You know, we're we're financially invested in this. All of our team is remunerated or compensated partly with uh, uh, some token as well. So, I mean, just like any business that has equity, a blockchain-powered startup, its equity is the token. So, for us, it's you know, the incentive of driving the price upward of, of this token is as intersected as, as any people in our community, any person in our community that has a vested interest uh, in Ember, you know, a financial beyond just being excited about what we are, you know, the emotional investment, this financial investment, we're all in it as much as you are. And when we design products and services, it's in our best interest as much as for everyone in, in the community 
to design it in such way that it will be, there will be some correlations between what we bring to market and our sort of equity, you know, the business worth, the token itself, the market cap and all those sorts of things. So, you know, like you're saying, Rob, you know, I can't, unfortunately, not because I don't want to disclose it, it's because I don't know the amount. I just don't know how much it's going to be, you know, out of the 100%. But one thing is for sure is we need to be mindful of, you know, we we need to be mindful of these potential success case scenarios where it becomes extremely successful. And what will it mean for sort of our tokenomics to have X amount of buybacks in X amount of time? And then we need to play around with different scenarios on scenario A. Lots of people buy as well because, you know, we don't want the buyback to overrun the actual buys of the public. Eventually, obviously, the buyback will never be bigger than when when we start trading like crazy. But from now to then, we just need to make sure that it makes sense. And it doesn't seem like, and not that it doesn't seem, we don't want to be manipulating the market neither. You know, we, we have to be careful. And these PR elements, these intangible that have nothing to do with tech, that have nothing to do with the actual percentage, what's going to be the public opinion of this? And how can we mitigate the impact of the public opinion based on how it performs? And also, what's the engagement towards this buyback? And is it going to be a lifetime engagement? Is it going to be like a set in time sort of is it going to be sort of a bigger number now, a lesser number later because of the growth? I can't say. The amount of volume that could be going through. Yeah, exactly. These are a lot of things that, that we have to think about before actually implementing them. It's not a clear cut like, oh, we're going to buy X amount and that's it. You know, there's no implications and we're just going to run with it. You know, that's that's not how we roll. You know, we we do things meticulously. We try to think about all the different use cases and we want to make sure that it's sustainable. We never want to be in a situation where, where we're a victim of our own success because that happens a lot of times within organizations because they may be planning of how do we get there. But sometimes, especially when it comes to something like a buyback and how it can affect tokenomics and when it comes to know how that affects the market, this can easily, if this takes off, it could be a situation where we could be victim of our own success. And that can cause, you know, a PR nightmare. And there's all kind of unforeseen, you know, untangibles that that we really have to think through. Yeah. And and for those who that may come as a surprise, but interestingly, most of the reason why a startup actually fails, it's not out of starvation because they don't have enough revenue. It's not, you know, because they don't have enough market. It's purely out of gluttony. It's because they try to ingest too much because they're so driven by whatever and they're ingesting too much. And this buyback is an ingestion, you know, and we need to be careful about, you know, how much we ingest. So it may seem great to buy more in terms of the buyback, but you need to balance. It's a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. And like everything that we do here, it needs to be tested, thoroughly retested, talked to with consultants and with our economists to see what the effects could be. You know, of us, as, as you were saying, a lot of these startups too, is that especially when they start to build a revenue stream and start to see some form of success, that they use other companies as a barometer and think that they're able to just keep ingesting that they live in a bubble, that they can do no wrong, just keep pushing forward, 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 forward. And then they end up blowing up because at the end of the day, they really, like I said, are victims of their own success. And we don't want to live in that bubble. We don't want to have those sort of short-term aspirations. We want to see this do. And that's why we built these tokenomics that have, have mirrored some of the best that, you know, when it comes to what their market cap is now and the value of price per token that they have already. So there's no reason to spend all that time, effort, and research into how we're built our tokenomics to throw it out the window just because something may seem like the carrot being dangled in front of our face that could be that, you know, the easy go-to. So we want to make sure that we, you know, have these, basically what is R&D in place before we ever implement anything. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I mean, hopefully this answers the uh, buyback question. More on this. Uh, <laughs> More on this coming uh, up here in, with our in new season series. two. I think that was a great way to to end this. I think that you know, kind of, we started backwards and worked our way forward here when it came to the questions, and I think it really encapsulated what we talked about this entire first se- season of today at Ember. Season two will give us some new implementation. We're going to be talking about how we're going to do that. This may be bi-weekly. We're not sure. We're going to implement some, some things to kind of bring at the production level as well. We want to make sure that we you guys follow us along on this journey. I think it's been really fantastic on how far we've come since episode one, doing this as a podcast. Jason, it's been real fun. Jay, do you want to add anything to the rest of the public here before we get out of here? No, I mean, I'm ecstatic at the idea that, yeah, it's been a successful uh, season one in the sense that we've we've actually, you know, launched and it's a beautiful blueprint for whoever is out there and, you know, wants to learn about smart contracts, what, you know, what's the implication of liquidity pools, you know, all these subjects that, you know, there's, there's an education part of it. And then when we did launch, you know, what were the realities of, of, you know, having a launched blockchain powered startups and, it's all those things. And I think it hopefully it'll serve a lot of people out there and we'll just, just like a Netflix sort of show, you know, they'll just binge listen or watch this first season of Today at Ember and get inspired by these lessons learned and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, I mean, it's out there in the world and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have uh, done it. And it's, it's just the, the beginning of this season two and it's going to be a new dynamic and uh, I can't wait. One thing I can add is it's probably going to be a short break. You know, probably, um, you know, we're probably going to skip a show just to make sure that, you know, we're all organized and, and that we can uh, start pushing forward and that we have everything, you know, set set and done right. But yeah, looking forward to uh, getting back in that chair with you, Rob. No, absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree with everything you said. And I'm, I'm going to do just a, also a slight victory lap too as well on my part because I guess it's not couth for the CEO to be doing it but as someone who's the spokesperson and, and the sales guy here I do have to say it's just a, and, and to be speaking on behalf of the entire team and everyone who's been involved and people that have been believers in the community you've really people that put trust in us at this point through this journey with transparency we really have delivered on I'd say all of our promises that we made since we began this broadcast and not just with the products that we promised, but when promised to being more transparent and taking questions from the community and really setting the standard and setting the bar that any naysayers that may have, you know, been around with any project, obviously there's obviously people that have been skeptics. I believe at this point that everyone on the team can really take a bow because of the stuff that we've delivered, especially now with, with the Ember checkout, when it comes to liquidity and now soon to see with Ember.org, is that I think it's now it's time to move forward. And this is a great way to end, I believe, a first season of many. Jay, it's been a real pleasure, buddy. For this and for anyone else listening out there, this is today at Ember, the end of our first season. See for season two coming up, probably not next week, but the week after. But you can always catch us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're available wherever you get your favorite media. I am Rob Velazzi here at Ember with all my co-CEO, Jason Jason, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Peace. Thanks.